Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhasa Dung dung mong song gong namasami Some of the important uh, key slogans or things, the phrase to remember is that you know that the mind is not the mind objects. So the you know, you say that the natural mind or the <coughs> awareness is not these um, things that flood through it. Uh, so it's kind of the sense of a shift of center. You know, so what floods through, we can recognize as flooding through uh, individual thoughts, emotions, and whole kind of conglomerations of evolved thought, you know, concerns about topics, um, you know, on all levels. And then various thoughts. And so there was moving, flowing, bubbling, welling up. It's what we call a rather bland phrase, mind objects. But my mind certainly objects to them a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, so well, you kind of, so it, sometimes it's, it's something you just kind of wish would quieten down or go away. Sometimes it's quite entertaining for a while. But then it does got this kind of incessant, um, inconclusive feeling to it. It just kind of goes on and on and on. It doesn't really arrive anywhere um, by itself. It moves through. It kind of reveals, as we sit and meditate, it reveals perhaps underlying concerns or that we have or particular things that are bothering us. Any, any day, you know, so you get some readout on what's uh, what's rattling you, or what's interesting, you, what's exciting you, what's bothering you. Uh, but I think after a while, you, you know, you also realise whatever it is, it'll just be another one, won't it? <laughs> you know, when, when this one's concluded, or do we do find a resolution to this particular um, problem or concern, or? There'll be another one coming up. Yeah. So it's really something. This is the dukkha sense of the unsatisfactory, inconclusive, yeah. not necessarily deeply painful or anguish. It's just a bit of a yeah, <laughs> a bit of going nowhere 
lot of energy going nowhere, far from round in circles. Uh, and of course, for many people, it isn't particularly un, you know unsatisfactory because you know you, you don't really sense there's anything else. So just to get the reasonable amount of chit chat going through your head is perhaps the, the most the best option. But when you as you start to meditate, you begin to sense this is really. Um, kind of antuka, stressful, unsatisfying, and uh, because you also somehow sense the knowing, or the clarity, the witnessing, or the awareness, you get a kind of a, a feel for that—the space, or the openness, or the presence of mind—and with that, you, you kind of can feel oh, this is, yeah. You know, this is somehow more intrinsic, more fundamental, where where I want to be. And then this kind of tension can get up, how do I get there, or how do I get rid of these thoughts, or, you know. So there is this kind of basic clarity. It's one of the ways in which we sense the mind, as distinct from the mind objects. And there are three senses we can have. One is of a feeling, uh, they're all kind of linked together. One is a basic presence or groundedness. Here I am, here it is, here we are, you know, kind of a, a, a firmness. Uh, and, and you get that often, you know, you, you get that when you, the more you are sitting in meditation, you get a sense of firmness. Mm. Just uh, re- reflecting, meditating, sensing the body, sensing the energies, and just the sense of real connection into the present, you know, firmness, the clarity, or knowing, and also a quality of um, heartfulness. Mm. Could be something like uh, poignant. Could be something that uh, tender or sad or uh, inspired or interested. There's a kind of felt feeling quality of heart, often quite diminished. Mm. Yet we recognise this; these things are. These basic qualities of groundedness and heartfulness and clarity are, are whenever they become more apparent, then that's where we feel most fully, authentically alive ourselves. The mind is actually least caught up. And this is one of the ways of defining what we mean by samadhi or concentration or collectiveness is when all these three come together. You feel very firm, you feel clear, and it's a quality of, of, of um, kind of subtle pleasure, joyfulness, ease. Mm. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you, you kind of, you, you, the, the more you, do, you can sense that, the more you have a, a place to be. You know, like a, you're not r- running around looking for places to be, 
things to be, things to make, things to become. You've got something that's a, you know, portable domain you can be with. That's why the Buddha, I very much recommended it because it is gives you confidence, and then your sense of having to this kind of having to make and have and learn and become and develop. All that doesn't get so much food because you've got something. It's quite simple, really. It's a simplification of mind. So, these three, three aspects. Clarity itself is something that we um, very much appreciate. It tends to be associated with our heads, our thought faculties, clear thinking. Um, but uh, it's, it's really... It's not. It, it can allow your thinking to be clearer, but it's not actually thinking. It's it's the kind of medium through which thought gets clarified. As if you're aware of your thoughts, if you focus, if you're mindful, you stabilize your presence of mind on your thought, on the thought process, and it's arising, it's ceasing. Start steadying the frenzies, being patient with it, staying present with it then a lot of the the really um, superficial stuff just starts to fade out. Not because you not because you do anything more than that, but about really establishing clarity and presence with that. So it's a really interesting um, process you know, because uh, a lot of the time when we we we're thinking or with our thoughts when we meditate you're either kind of interested in them or bothered by them somewhat engaged you know you figure something out something comes up it reminds me of this I to remember that or you've got a particular problem somebody just wants you to figure it out think it out we get some realization. Hey, this like that. That's really great. What a great. Yeah, that's it. You know, it carries this kind of charge. It pulls, pulls you into it. It's rather like when you, you know, when you you have a pan of water, and you start, you put, uh, say, a small, small burner under it. it starts in the center of it, where all the bubbles start. They start pulling bubbles in from the the rim. You notice the bubbles kind of start welling up, but because the heat is in the center, the the, the center is where all the, the, the bubbles all come to the center, and then that, that becomes the, the real energy. You know where all these bubbles start gathering together, water starts welling up, and if you turn the heat down, then it's towards the edges that it gets cooler. Yeah. and it's the centre remains kind of bubbling and the edges get cooler it's rather actually one of the things you, that, to bear in mind is that actually like a sense of widening your awareness so what the bubbling of thought does is it tends to pull you into the centre of it all the time either with interest or irritation or fascination or you know, it's to pull you into its little vortex, its bubbles. 
So you meditate when the, rather than just getting going in and it starts kind of splashing around trying to get rid of them, which churns it up even more. And the instruction is just to, to kind of widen as if you're stepping back, widening your eyes, widening your gaze. Yeah. Because there is something you can, in terms of energy, you can feel when there's a lot of thinking going on, there's a, there's a pull, it's quite tight. There's a quite constrict, constrictive sense about it. You get caught in there. And, uh, you know, people who do a lot of thinking tend to have tunnel vision. Not, not visual, not eye vision, but the minds tend to get you know, focus on a particular topic, and the rest of the world disappears. Yeah. Because that's what it does. And if you're, you know, so the typical example is, you know, the kind of scientist, the great philosopher walking around with his lump of toast in his pocket, and he forgot forgotten where he put it on, wrong socks on, because he's actually so focused on his great theory, his idea, that he can't put the right socks on his feet, or, <laughs> you know, stumbling around with that tongue and shoelaces up. You get this sense of which your awareness is not malleable, pliable, open. Mm. So rather than you know have an issue about the thoughts, you can feel the emotional quality of them, the pulling and the resistances and the you know and then just mm, widening. What's it like to be with this? What's it like to be with this? This is where the, the clarity is helped by the sense of firmness because one of the questions we might ask that helps to get this widening of awareness to, to occur is, where, I, where am I now? Where am I in this? You know, you're kind of thinking about going to work tomorrow and this done, this particular project, and your mind's in that now figure that out and it's a bit really mindful when I do it after all. And, and now where am I? Oh, you know, so that that sense of coming come back to the present. You kind of open up, pull back from that. You get this momentary kind of feeling of, of like almost the widening you opening your door. <coughs> Something opens up and widens. Oh. Another one is, is um, more like a, a related to, to the feeling sense. What's it like to be with this? So, you know, we're thinking about a football match or cricket or whatever, something that's interesting. Then it's got its own particular bubble, bubbling, perhaps a happy bubbling. And then, what, yeah, that's, that's happy, but what's it like to be with this? This, this bubbling. Oh, so these, these are questions that widen, they take you back. And then you, you, you kind of, oh, you get some sense of, of contact or touching in with this wider quality of awareness. And then you, you know, you, the longer you stay with that, the more often you can go into that, the more, more often you stay with that, a lot of the thoughts themselves just kind of untangle and dissolve. They're not, because they're not getting the, the pull, the heat that's required to keep them going. Not getting the interest or the aversion or the fascination or the speculation or the restlessness that keeps it all stirring. 
So it's rather like just not, not adding aversion to it or having a view, just basically changing the, the view, the vision, changing the scope, changing the reference. So rather than referring to our thoughts with approval or disapproval, we refer to them as, where is this now? How am I with this now? Hmm? Also, you can, uh, quite interesting is to ask yourself, where, where's the beginning of this thought? This stream of thoughts going, where does it actually begin? Try and catch it, because you can see it coming through and then, you know, one sort of thought form ending and next, 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 next. Where does it, where does it begin? It must begin somewhere, surely. If it's there, it must begin. So try to find the moment when a, a thought begins. You know, uh, oh. I mean, thought doesn't happen. Because it doesn't really have a beginning. You find the beginning of a thought? Is it, is it half a thought? Or isn't it just a, there's a sort of a, a shifting and a shimmering and then, then you're in there. And it's fully formed. It doesn't, it's not a moment when there's no thought and then there's a thought. There's a kind of, because it's a, Thought is really not uh, separate from awareness. You know, it's a mind object. It's the mind moving into into object forming. It's rather like um, if we took the um, the moisture of our breath. You know, breathing in, breathing out. The breath has got some moisture in it. And then, if you had the, these windows here, and the temperature dropped radically dropped, you'd find there'd be, there'd be misting on the glass, wouldn't there? But if it, the temperature's warm, there's no misting on the glass. It's still there, and yet it's not manifesting as water. When it's cold, you get the misting on the glass, and then at a certain point, that misting becomes, from just the very, very fine water droplets, becomes enough water to run. It's running down the glass. Where does it begin? Does it begin on the glass? Does it begin in the air? Does it begin in your mouth? Where does it begin? It doesn't really begin. <laughs> it just sort of, there are various factors that come together. The coldness of the glass, the moisture of the breath, the proximity, and a certain kind of you know, critical mass is reached, then you get water forming. But you breathe into your hand, it doesn't feel moist at all. So it's just like this thought is of a, of a, it's, a it's almost like the potential of the mind. And a certain kind of pressure, a certain sort of heatedness, it starts to crystallize. So what we do is we just sort of turn the heat down doesn't, you know, we're not making anything out of it. And uh, we relieve, relieve the pressure. Which means really like widening the mind. So isn't that kind of bunched up, constricted state of mind. Which we may live in 
a lot of the time, so one hardly realizes there's anything but being bunched up and constricted. It's just different kinds of bunched up and constricted. <laughs> you know, happy, bunched up, unhappy, you know, interested. Uh, there's always something gripping. Uh, and then there's the grip to try and get rid of the grip. Why don't I relax? Why don't I be quiet? I can't. It's not going to happen like that, is it? So that the sense of just, we can't let go. But what can happen is through really being with the thoughts, the charged emotional thoughts, pleasant or unpleasant, being with them in a wider, steadier, more grounded way, gradually, you know, there's less misting on the glass of the mind. There's less water running down it. Yeah. And without really trying, strange enough, just like when you're putting the heater on in your car, blowing the heat up over the glass, it was all misted up, and these little kind of clear patches start to appear. But it wasn't as if you kind of scrubbed the glass. It was just that gradually putting this warm current means that the, the glass does not support the condensation. You're not actually affecting the water, you're affecting the glass. Glass does not support the crystallization. Similarly, a mind that is open, firm, clear, does not support the, con the crystallization of thoughts. So you just have to get that to that kind of basic, very basic mind. Sometimes it's called don't know mind. It's another way of getting there. You know, these are just dumb tricks. It, it's something you deal with within the, the, the trying to find answers. You've got a big problem, sort this out, get this out, figure it out. And just, you just keep the don't know. And it's uh, uh, like a, a kind of continual um, deflator of that intense push to find resolutions and conclusions. And we always get that sense when one of these pushes comes along that if we could only really get this, we get to this conclusion. If we just went a bit faster, a bit harder, we'd get to this conclusion. And we haven't got here, but a bit more, we get to this conclusion. And it would work out. And you nearly get there. This answer to the problems of life, to the social situation, to the domestic situation, to your personal situation. You nearly get there, and that's it. But, oh, it's gone. <laughs> you know. So, and then... And then how, how difficult it is to, to just really carry the, the, uh, the don't know. It seems so hopeless, so in, insecure, so meaningless, so kind of, you know, but actually carried through what you're doing with that. It's giving you just an opportunity for... 10 minutes 
You can go back to being frantic later on. There's always plenty of opportunities for that, figuring it out. So only 10 minutes of don't know. See what that does. Since you don't know, why not just be really with that full on? And then it sort of it starts to recognize that when you don't know, there's the knowing. It's a different, it's the same word, of course, but when you don't know, what you're left with is just the clarity, the openness. It's a different kind of knowing. I was trying, to, I tried to learn to type from now and then. I have these little typing programs on a, on a computer and it sets these things a little exercise. And it says, you know, put your fingers here and you plunk away and you do these kind of, you know, set exercises. Then it gives you the result. 145 mistakes. Um, you score two out of, two out of 90. Start again, you know. <laughs> so you go back to it. And the idea is, you know, because you're not supposed to look at the keys when you're doing it, which is, of course, the thing you do. If you want to know, you look at the key and plunk, plunk, plunk. But you've got to stop doing that. It's counterintuitive, of course. Because when you want to do something, you look at what you're doing. But the idea when you're typing is you don't. You look at the, the thing you, you, know, you want to copy or, or and you just let your fingers do it. And it's really, really difficult to actually get into trying to know through the fingers. You know, that's where a J is, that's where an F is, that's where an I is, that's an L, that's a T. Just the movement of the fingers letting them tell you how to write. Just feeling the pressure of these of smooth keys under your fingers. And at times, you know, when actually I break the habit of trying to figure out, remember where these keys are and just let my fingers do it, suddenly this whole stream flows out of, you know, the fingers actually know but I don't know. <laughs> so then when I get a little, get it right, oh, that's good. And then I come back in again and it goes wrong, messes it up. And this is pretty much how everyone meditates, isn't it? <laughs> so do you know or do you not know? Well, when you say don't know, we refer to I don't know. When I don't know, there's the possibility for the knowing to arise, which is not a person, not self, not mind, but an innate faculty of mind that God has born, that is there through our life. The moments we touch into it, the moments when sometimes our mind just kind of blows the fuse or doesn't figure or doesn't know what to do. And you, oh. And then there's this sense of the knowing behind it, something bigger. So this faculty, basic clarity, you know, we use very just to, to just to, to you know, recognize it's it's there, or to be given the encouragement, it's there, and various ways to access that, to come into that. And if you practice with it, after a while, you, you know, it's like learning to type or anything like that. You find where you start to go through this rather 
dizzy period where you know you, you had to let go or or put aside the normal strategies of figuring out, of going harder, of pressing, of holding on in order to get the result and go to, to a, a kind of a, a, another faculty, um, this knowing, which at first is rather like learning to walk, you keep falling over all the time. So the results aren't great. Yeah. And yet that's the way that something else grows, this this faculty starts to grow and the results you know, begin to come through and you have something there uh, that's surprising a pleasant surprise <laughs> remembering the present as a pleasant surprise pleasantly surprised by it yeah. because everything else runs down ability to think, remember, figure does run down it doesn't actually finally work you can keep it going for a while get 60% results you know, and uh, make what you can out of that but for uh, your own peace of mind and truthfulness and presence you have to find something else or be with something else. And what we're doing when we meditate, or oh, that's the direction of it. Now, it can be, maybe seem that we just kind of dismiss all thinking as a complete waste of time, but that isn't quite the case. What we're doing is learning to not be leaning on it, um, not be uh, drawn into it. And it's rather like um, another analogy is learning calligraphy. Yeah. And when normally when you when most people write, they write with their they hold the pen, they write with their fingers. And the finger kind of scribbles across the page. You write this tight little handwriting, scribble, 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 and it's very much a few fingers pushing this pen around. Calligraphy, you generally keep the fingers and the hand quite quite still. You move the arm. Just move the arm. Like, almost like painting just move the arm so that the pen is held still and it's, it's held gently you don't press on it you, don't, you have to put the paper up so you don't lean on the pen so the pen is held lightly you don't rest the weight of your arm on the, on the pen and, and, and then you, you, move your, you move your arm and actually you get to this the clearly of course is you know it's exquisitely Beautiful, and it's not. It's not when you get when it starts to work. It's, it's one of those, you know, Zen arts. In that, as it starts to work, it works. It has a spontaneity to it. It's not getting it right. It's not a hard holding on tight, working at it, getting the right exactly the right shape. It's kind of flowing, and the and the flowingness starts to take over you know, and you get something where it's, you know, it's very beautiful flowing which is better than something controlled now we could say yes we're still writing you've got pen, ink, paper making a word producing something and yet to do that we've actually 
deconstructed or given up the holding, the, the tension. You know, we're operating with different aspect of mind. And at first the results are not very good, but over time this other kind of flow comes through so that when there is thinking, the thinking can be lucid, clear, spacious, bright, not the pressure to get it right. You know? When you lean on your mind, you must always you always tighten it up and twist it. If you just kind of sag completely, that doesn't work either. It's not about just getting a pen and waving your hand over the paper. In between, there's the poise and the balance, which allows these manifestations to come through in a kind of clear, light, beautiful way. Then, the Buddha, as the Buddha said, one knows the ways of thought. One knows how to think skillfully, and one knows how to stop thinking. <laughs> or when there's, in other words, when there's the conditions for thinking are not not needed. Yeah. So it's actually, you know, there is times when we do need to thought think, but when you when you sit and meditate, you don't really need to think. Yeah. yeah, maybe a little bit, but not all the stuff that goes on. Most of it's just complete surplus. <laughs> so yeah, you can actually. You know, put the put the put the warm flow on that stops the thoughts condensing. You don't need that, and uh, this this the result. So the basic clarity becomes, if you like, the 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 fundamental quality of mind, which allows thinking to come through usefully, clearly, knows the time to stop and can appreciate the silence.